This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Producer Gene here with one more bonus podcast for the summer. As a reminder, if you haven't done so already, make sure you go to abidingtogetherpodcast.com and sign up for the mailing list so that when the new season starts, you're going to get notifications so you don't miss any of the episodes that come out. Also, as you're waiting for the new season to begin, I would really encourage you to go back, check out the archive. A lot of those conversations, when you hear them again at a different point in the year, they land with you in a different way. So those are great resources for you to tap back into until the new season begins. In the meantime, here is my conversation with Michelle Benzinger. I am Michelle Benzinger. I am the one that lives in Pensacola, Florida, the Gulf Coast. With all its southern charm and beauty and the beach, um, I firmly believe that yeah, salt water can yeah, pretty much cure any about anything in life. Um, what my life looks like, oh my gosh, if someone was to do a day in my life, they would probably, um, their head would explode. Um, my life looks like a lot. I'm juggling a lot of different things, but I pretty much have decided I thrive um, with a lot of different things going on. I'm one of those ones that love, uh, I can totally find the beauty in the chaos. So I have... Six children, ranging from 19 to 9, and they're all stair-stepped in there, and uh, four boys and two girls in there, and just managing all of them and loving all of them and trying to form all of them. And then I'm married to a saint. He really, truly is a saint, Um, and I really feel like that I am his saint maker, Um, but... He is amazing, and I also am like the creative director for Meaningful Market. We have our own shop, and we design um, products that give back, and our um, tagline is art plus story plus purchasing power changes the world, and with that, we, in the last couple months, we've created a design house, and we're actually designing for a lot more other people and ministries and nonprofits than we are for our own shop, and I run our nonprofit. When I was a kid, what did I want to be when I grew up? I wanted to be an actress at some point. Um, I was really shy as a kid, believe it or not. Like, I was painfully shy. And I remember, like, in second grade, my mother um, got a letter home saying I was talking in class, and she was so excited, Um, which is so funny because now I never stop talking, and I would not say I was shy at all. Um, So I wanted to be, yeah, an actress. I always wanted to be um, a wife and a mom, and um, I always was fascinated with other people's stories. I love biographies. I loved, I would sit as a child and watch the History Channel when it had the biographies, or especially like back in the old days with MTV and VH1 behind the scenes. I loved stuff like that. So anything that had to do with people's stories, I loved, and um, I love fashion, you know. I still get, when I walk into Nordstrom's, it still brings me that tingly feeling, you know, with the beauty that's in there. Life of Ministry came to me because I think it was very organic the way it came to me. Uh, I watched my mother was in ministry, full-time ministry, always growing up. We always had people in and out of our house. We always had young adults and teens and other people and priests in and out of our house, um, And my mother was a spiritual mother to many people. 
and created events for many people. So I almost picked it up osmosis. And for me, when I had a, like, like what I like to call a reconversion, um, it was just very natural for me to go into ministry because, um, like there was something about it. I had a conversion. It was so strong that I had to, um, voice what was going on in my heart. Like I had to share, you know, basically the good news. And I'm one of those ones, if I am passionate about something, I want everyone else to know my passion and they need to be just as excited about that passion usually as I am, which, um, doesn't work as well. When I come home from target, my husband doesn't give me the passion quota that I like, but, um, for ministry, it was just, uh, watching the Holy spirit transform people and joining God on that adventure, like there's nothing better in my mind. When we are talking about difficult questions in the Catholic Church and when people ask you about the Catholic Church, for me, I I think that's very interesting because where we are right now with everything with the the bishops and Cardinal McCarrick and all of that, my deepest desire is, I mean, I love this church. You know, she is, I see her as mother, and I love this church. I hate that the church is not a safe place for a lot of people. I mean, it really has broken my heart over and over again when people are hurt by the church. Um, It really breaks my heart when people, the shepherds, do not take care of the flock. And it really breaks my heart when um, people of the faith have questions and they just want to wrestle with these questions and there's not an open space and place for them just to wrestle. And it's not that they're losing their faith in God. They're just wrestling with these beliefs and trying to make them their own. And I feel like that's okay. I feel like that the church should be like a good mother wants a child to wrestle with these critical questions and to critically think. And I would love for the church to be a place where we can critically think without having critical hearts. And um, I would love for the church to be a place where people can come with their questions and with their doubts and be embraced with open arms to find the answer. The people I care about, I look up to a ministry. I would have to say off the top of my head, um, probably Debbie and Peter Herbeck. They're part of Renewal Ministries and Debbie does Be Love Revolution. There is something so authentic about them and uh, missionary about them. They are just really good disciple makers. I was with Peter just a couple months ago, and I was with one of the gentlemen that he discipled. And just the way the other gentleman talked about Peter as a disciple maker was just inspiring. And um, just, yeah, it really just gave me really faith and hope, and they pioneered so much. Um, I'm always big fans of people in ministry that pioneer something that go off the road less traveled, that um, just respond to the Holy Spirit in crazy, adventurous ways. Those are usually the people that inspire me most, the ones that risk for the gospel. I think one of the things about ministry that is hard to understand is it's relational and making disciples and forming people, especially my husband and I both love to do formation. And we both like, for me especially, we love to, I love to like midwife people's dreams and help them figure out what their purpose and calling is and figure out what their, you know, Holy Spirit sized dream is. And I think one of the biggest things in ministry is that you cannot measure ministry. It is not something that is a measurable goal. 
It is something that is organic and that is cultivated and that grows. Uh, human formation and spiritual formation is not um, known by numbers, are not known by followers. It's known by disciples and by fruit that is born over time. Uh, it's funny. I have a really amazing business coach, and she's a, little, a season younger than I, but she's so wise in what she um, does and leads and speaks into my life, and I'm just crazy about her. But one of the things she told me this past year is that I wasn't making enough mistakes because she said, if you're making enough mistakes, that means you're really trying and you're going outside of your comfort zone. So this year, I'm actually trying to make more mistakes. And um, when it comes to business and when it comes to things like that. But I think personally, when I think about mistakes, is it's that constant tension of abiding and striving. Like, I think the mistake I make over and over again is that it all depends on me, that I am like Holy Spirit Jr. and that I have to make it happen and that I am the one that will uh, save my children or whatever or anything else you fill in the blank, that I it's all depends on me and I'm responsible and when I take a step back and look at it and just stop and take a breath and abide and surrender, I realize who the king of the universe is and it is not me and that he's got it all under control. The hardest day, I think, when you're in ministry and things like that are when you see people's um, hearts being broken and they're not going to the source of what can heal them. I think one of the hardest things when you, when other people or myself put expectations on people and, and those expectations belong on God to fulfill a need. And I think we all do it in different ways, shapes, or form. Um, but when we realize that we put people in place of God and that He is the one that fulfills all of our needs, and it is not a people or an organization or a ministry that will save us, but it's only Christ. And... Um, in Christ alone and the Holy Spirit that will change and transform us. I think we put um, high responsibility on people to meet our needs that um, are not theirs to meet. And I see it over and over and over again. The best thing in ministry, your best days in ministry are when you see people's hearts break open and the Holy Spirit working through them and that you see like their wild lives come to life. There is nothing like it. When you see those aha or epiphany moments when people have encountered the presence of God and they are forever changed, there is nothing like it. Uh, for me, I was on a um, retreat, a silent retreat this May, and while I was going through it, a bunch of college students were going through the silent retreat also and going through the Ignatian spiritual exercises. And just to be an observer and watch these college students um, transform over those couple of days, even though we could communicate, I could just watch it in their beings like they were experiencing the voice of the Lord in powerful ways for the first time. And they were transforming before my eyes and they were really hearing the Lord and really coming into who they are in the Lord. And there's just nothing better. It is amazing. Um, and I also have to say one of the best things has been watching people that we have discipled, young adults, and watching them start to disciple our own children. That's just awesome. Like, it is just great. You know, one of my favorite things. To nourish myself, how do I um, fill myself back up? 
Well, I'm an avid reader. Anyone that's listened to the podcast knows that um, I read like people breathe air. So I like to do that. I'm a big walker. I have to be outside. I love to take walks. Um, we're a couple of blocks from the water, so I can't go more than three days without walking to the water. Like there's something about being by water that just um, calms me. It centers me. It brings me... Um, you know, back to who I am. And just, I see the littlest of me and the bigness of God and him. And to nourish, I like, uh, just being home with my family. I'm a real big homebody, which people wouldn't think I wasn't that way, uh, probably 10 years ago. Like, I mean, I love to be around people. I love to go and experience people, but my favorite days are at home. I'm a huge homebody. Advice I would give to myself in my early 20s was uh, care more about what God thinks and really stop caring about what man thinks, like dare risk. I think I made a lot of my decisions in my early 20s. Well, I know I made a lot of decisions on my early 20s based on other people's are my perceived other people's expectations of what I should do. Um I knew what I wanted to do would probably not be like the straight and narrow path what everybody else did, but I wanted to fit in more than I wanted to be set apart. And because of that, I really think part of me was like suppressed because I thought outside of the box and I had all these ideas and um, I am not like a logical thinker. And so I thought I had to fit in a certain box or a certain stereotype and that's not the case. And especially when I got married in my late 20s, I thought family and marriage looked a certain way. I thought that it had to be this and that and all of the things. And I put such hard expectations on myself, what a perfect wife and mother should be, that I didn't really allow God and the Holy Spirit to form me and what a uh, wife and a mother should be. You know, that it really flowed out of my identity as a daughter of his and not what I did, but who I was. And and I also think like, man, in our 20s, I think 20s are such a hard season, but in our 20s, I think we um, are still trying to figure it out. And a lot of the stuff that we worry about, man, it doesn't even happen. Like we like worry about this and worry about that. And majority of those things don't even happen and just let it go and jump into life. Something that took my breath away is I think when uh, we just finished, we went out to the beach a couple of weeks ago as a family and I was standing at the ocean and I was watching my um, husband play with our kids in the ocean and it was such a simple moment, but it was such a good moment. It was one of those simple, ordinary moments, but it was extraordinary because it was just one of those moments where I stopped to savor the moments and I wasn't trying to manage or produce the moment. I was just in it. And I think a lot of times for me, I'm always going because my mind works a mile a minute that I don't stop and savor the season or the moment that I'm in. I'm always going to the next thing or what has to be done or I'm you know, trying to manage it and not looking at the miraculous in the everyday moments. Mm-hmm.